Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Celebrating Black History Month on the show today, our featured guest, Princess Moss, Vice President of the National Education Association. And later, we'll make a call to Hello Heart. Welcome to the Tuesday, February 27th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with Princess R. Moss, an elementary school music teacher from Louisa County, Virginia, and currently vice president of the National Education Association, which, by the way, is the nation's largest professional organization. Previously, she was the secretary treasurer and had primary responsibility for managing and maintaining the association's multi-million dollar budget. She's a skilled organizer. She recognizes the opportunities and power that exist within authentic one-to-one conversations. In fact, Princess Moss knows the value of storytelling. She frequently shares stories about the lived experiences of NEA members to make a point about the challenges faced by today's educators. And her goal? Her goal is to ensure the voices educators raise on behalf of their students and the professional authority of educators continues to grow. She uh, was elected vice president right when the pandemic started in 2020. She's also past president of the 62,000-member Virginia Education Association, where she increased membership, advocated successfully for greater investment in public education at the state and local levels, and also helped lay the groundwork for the state's collective bargaining law, which was passed in 2019. Very, very accomplished woman. And she's going to talk about her journey. She's going to talk about Black History Month and whitewashing history. We have seen what a number of governors have done in various states around the country, and it's not good. And the NEA is fighting that tooth and nail. National website, do check it out. It's uh, nea.org, nea.org. Later in the show, we're going to join Jen Roberts. Now, Jen is a vice president of employer health strategy. And I'll tell you, she's a fireball. She is a a clinical subject matter expert at a company called Hello Heart. You're going to learn a lot about this uh, company, HelloHeart.com. Jen brings 20-plus years of experience in health management and consulting to her role, including a role as a consultant for the Mercer Consulting Firm. She's also a former professor of health at her alma mater, which is the University of Texas, which is where she now resides. What essentially Jen is going to talk about is how to empower people to manage and improve heart health through technology. Hello Heart makes it simple, real simple, to build lasting healthy habits like tracking blood pressure, cholesterol, medication, activity, weight, you name it. And right now they're targeting unions. (laughs) That's why they're on this show because 
think about it, there's a lot of guys that say, I'm okay. I'm not going to go to the doctor. So many people say that they don't want to miss work. They're tough guys. We'll talk about guys. We'll talk about the differences in heart health between men and women. And right now, 15% of Hello Heart's clients are in labor unions and they're gaining traction. So Jen Roberts will be our second guest on the show on behalf of the organization HelloHeart.com. Do check that out. A lot of good information there. You know, while we're featuring the National Education Association, I have to thank them for providing the story of Mary McLeod Bethune. Mary was born in 1875 during the reconstruction to parents who had been enslaved. She grew up walking five miles to a Presbyterian mission school where a teacher noticed her dedication and recommended her for a college scholarship. In 1904, with $1.50 and five young students, Mary McLeod Bethune started a school for black girls in Florida that became today's Bethune-Cookman University. Two decades later, Bethune was elected as the first woman president of the National Association of Teachers in Colored Schools, later renamed the American Teachers Association, which would eventually merge with the National Education Association. After serving as their first president, she was appointed director of African-American affairs by U.S. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt and later founded the National Council of Negro Women. Throughout her life, Mary McLeod Bethune broke through boundaries and used her platform to advocate for black and women workers. Today, we salute Mary McLeod Bethune. Born in 1875, she left us in 1955. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the vice president of the National Education Association. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at afge.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. 
America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Well, it's still Black History Month, and throughout the month, we've been featuring various guests to talk about just that Black history, the importance of knowing our history, because If you don't know your history, you don't know where you're going. It's so darn important. And joining us on line number one right now is, I love this name, Princess Moss. Actually, Princess Renee Moss. Now, I have to ask you, Princess Moss, when you were born, did Daddy say, oh, my gosh, there is a princess? Is that what happened? (laughs) Well, actually, when I was born, my Daddy said, oh, I want to name her queen for Queen Esther. But you know what? My mom was just not having that. She was the only queen in our household. However, she came up with the name Princess Renee. And so I love it. That was the name they gave me. I love it, too. Well, we should point out that Princess Moss is a vice president with a very, very big and powerful union, the National Education Association. The website is nea.org, and I was going through your bio. You gave me enough information to do a three-hour show here today, but we have to condense a few things. But let, let's talk. And You know, when we have a newcomer on the show, I always want to get into their mind a little bit on how they got from point A to point B. And I was reading that, well, I guess you're a daughter of two bus drivers. And I would have could only assume those were union bus drivers. So you probably got a pretty good education to uh, get you where you are today. Let's, let's start there. Growing up, and then I see you got a music education degree, a master's in elementary. You were also the... Uh, president of the Virginia Education Association. So talk to me about that time in your life, Princess. Go ahead. Oh, wow. Thank you so very much. They, they sent you the long bio, I see. Well, my parents, indeed, they were both public school bus drivers. And, you know, sometimes I, I, I remember we my family struggled um, with their salaries to make ends meet. And so the one thing that they gave me was the knowledge that a good education would be my key to opportunity. And so that they really, really pushed that. Princess, you go to school, you get a good education, and that will open doors, unbelievable doors. And so I did. Um, I, and I uh, always wanted to be a teacher, and I became a music teacher and got my first job in Louisa County, Virginia, as an elementary music teacher, K through five, kindergarten through fifth grade. And I taught general music, band, and chorus. And part of that journey was sometimes hearing my colleagues talk about their low wages or they, you know, that they couldn't make ends meet. And, You know, they were concerned about providing for their own families. And so I heard them talking, but I didn't see them, like, talking to the right people. So I began to speak up for 
my colleagues and I, I took that to a local union meeting and uh, <laughs> I ended up being voluntold that I was going to be the presenter at the next school board meeting to present the salary proposal. And so <laughs> I was I was nervous at the at the time, but I worked with my colleagues and we developed a proposal and presented it to our school board and actually the school board gave a wonderful response and they said that they appreciated how it, everything was presented to them and you know that kind of kicked off my uh, career I would say my 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 work as a part of the union and knowing the power of collective voice and the power of being a union. And so from there, I continued to be involved in our local union work in Louisa County and worked, you know, up to the district level. And then you had mentioned uh, president of the Virginia Education Association. And then my journey took me to the national level, to our executive committee, our board of directors, secretary treasurer and now vice president of the largest labor union in our country and yeah who would have thought that you know this was a little girl from bumpus virginia who um grew up very very poor but but understanding that a good public education was something to fight for and that's what i do every day for the students in our country and the educators who work with them well, Princess, I have to tell you, I am a huge supporter of public education. I talk about it on the show almost every day. And uh, in fact, I have three family members that are in mm -hmm. public education, one part time. She's still raising her kids, so she's a substitute. But the two others, they're my uh, son-in-laws. And both, you'd be happy to hear this, are music teachers. One of them uh, is a choir director. And both are both are involved in barbershop. And in fact, one is an international champ. So uh, wow. they're pretty proud. We're we're very proud of what they've been able to accomplish. And it's all through That's public awesome. education. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Okay. OK. When you became vice president, which was in 2020, that was not a good year. <laughs> that was not a good year because of what happened with the pandemic. Uh, that had to be a game changer for you. I mean, it's a good thing that you came up the hard way. You watched your parents work hard. You, you know, you, you climbed the ladder as you did. You got involved in your union. And then all of a sudden, boom, we have this shutdown. Take me back to that time. That had to be uh, quite a challenge for you. Wow, 2020 was a challenge for the entire world. Whoever thought that we would experience in our lifetimes a, a pandemic. Uh, but yes, I was. I, I ended up running for office the latter part of my campaign for office and then being elected and um, ac accepting the the responsibility of vice president was done virtually and i but i learned a lot i learned a lot during that time i learned about the power and the importance of relationships and you know learned how to continue to, to build those relationships even during a global pandemic so with that challenge in place and we finally found our way out of it how, how would you assess 
things today. I mean, there a lot of crazy things have happened, and we're going to talk about book banning and the and the the voucher system that's going on, the attacks on public education. But uh, that process of going through the pandemic, there was a lot of twists and turns. How how do you think we're faring today? Well, <laughs> that uh, that is up, you know, for every individual to decide. I'll tell you about my experience. However, the uh, the pandemic ex- exacerbated the inequities that our students face every day. I mean, we we know as educators, I know as an educator, you know, the challenges my students face, but the pandemic laid bare those challenges and we still have to, we're still dealing with, with some of those challenges that we, that, that were exposed to America during the pandemic. And some other things happened um, politically, some things happened that, I don't know, it still seemed to be a challenge today. I think maybe being in isolation, sometimes people forget uh, the importance of treating each other kind. And, you know, that is that is something that I, uh, that I continue to reiterate, the importance of treating people, people kind. And during the, the, pandemic, we also saw not only the resilience of our students, but the educators who work with them as well. You know, our, I have to give a shout out to our, to all of the educators across the country and to the students that they work with because they weathered, they weathered some incredible things during that time. Princess Moss is her name. Her full name is Princess Renee Moss, and she's a vice president of the National Education Association, the national website, nea.org. We'll talk about whitewashing history, Black History Month, banning books, and a whole lot more right after this. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. Attention members of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union who are interested in traveling. Central Ohio has more construction projects on the books than anywhere in the U.S., Mega projects, large and medium-sized jobs are creating more work than our local 50 brothers and sisters can handle. Projects like Intel, the Honda LG battery plant, and multiple data centers for Facebook, Google, and Amazon offer union wages, overtime, and exciting incentives. Local 50 is seeking union travelers to meet the needs of its signatory contractors who can put you to work immediately. 
If you're a member in good standing and interested in the work opportunities in Central Ohio, visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF travel for more information. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, Canada and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferrens. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up, receive our shows on a regular basis, and give us a rating. We always, always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, where you can find more at ulagency.org. Let's go back to our live line and rejoin Princess Moss, who is vice president of the National Education Association. I failed to mention, you can check them out on Facebook, at NEA Today, at NEA Today. And you could also follow them on X, formerly known as Twitter, same uh, same handle there, NEA Today. We we're talking about the uh, pandemic in the first uh, segment here on the show and how that uh, has been a game changer in so many different ways. I mean, there was isolation. You had kids learning from home. And then, and then on top of it, the conditions in a lot of the schools, especially in the public schools, teachers had a lot of challenges. They decided to leave the field altogether. In fact, I was telling you about uh, my uh, my kids and uh, one of them. Well, he had a sub because there's a lot of teachers sick right now because of uh, a lot of uh, flu going around. So he had to fill somebody's shoes and then somebody called him away. And there I mean, there's some classes right now that have to be canceled because there's a teacher shortage. That is an issue, and I'll tell you, the response by legislatures is not good because what they essentially have done is kind of loosened up the credentialing. Uh, that's not a good idea, uh, not a good idea at all. But as far as the, the mental health situation, there's a lot of kids, and, and it's almost like teachers have to do have to carry on so many different roles. Sometimes they have to play nurse. They have to play counselor. They're supposed to educate the kids. There's a lot on the plate today. For a teacher. And I'd like to get your uh, perspective on, I guess this is a message to those that are in the in the field and our listeners as well, because we have a lot of listeners that have kids that are in public schools. I'd like to get your assessment of the situation in our public schools today, Princess. Go ahead. Well, you mentioned that educators are leaving the profession. So I do want to address the educator shortage. And what your our listeners, your listeners can do to help with with addressing the educator shortage is about respect. It is about respect. Our educators deserve respect. We we came through the pandemic. We provided 
so much for our students, you know, sometimes even meals, sometimes, you know, other types of support. And here we are. Here we are. And you're right. Some of our educators said they weren't going to take it anymore. And, and, and they left not only the school site that they were employed at, but they left the profession because educators deserve respect. And respect comes in many forms. Respect comes in appropriate salary and benefits. Respect comes from lifting up the important work that our educators are doing. We're, you know, we, we, we're in, no one, no one is in the, our profession, in the education profession to make, to, to be a millionaire. We're in this profession because we love our students and we want to make a difference. We want to help our students make a difference. So, you know, yeah, there's a, there's an educator shortage going on. And everyone listening can help with addressing that, edu that educator shortage by respecting our educators and our profession. And, you know, uh, and I'll share with you that in addition to all of that, we have the, the book bans going on that. I mean, why are, why, is, why are people meddling in the work that we're trying to do? to ensure that our students have access to a full and rich history. You know, books belong to all of us, to each and every one of us. And as someone who, you know, worked in, a, in the library to make money to pay for school, I can just tell you just having the access to all of that richness is something that everyone should want for themselves and for the students of our country. You know, when, when you talk about the book banning, it, it's so it's ridiculous, too, because uh, it's it's like they want to whitewash history. If there's something that they did not like and they being the politicians that control so much in schools today in various states. And you know exactly what I'm talking about, Princess. It's it's like that. Well, we don't like that. So why have it available? And, and as an African-American, I mean, there's a lot of history that, that should be taught in schools that's not available today. And this has to upset you especially, Princess. I mean, you, you came up, you struggled, you went through public schools, and you saw, you learned that history that's not being taught today. That's got to be very frustrating for you. It is very frustrating, and as you're as you're sharing that, what, what I'm thinking is that, okay, so to whitewash our history means you really want to write me out of history, and what that that's not right. Why why would you want to do? You want to write my rich history and upbringing out of history, you know? And I can remember too. Growing up as a child, I was—I will never forget this. I was in second grade, and I remember—I remember when the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., someone who I have always looked up to, and whose reputation lives on to this day for the impact he has had on racial and social justice. 
I remember. I remember sitting in the living room of our home in Bumpus, Virginia, and the news, uh, it being flashed across the news that Martin Luther King Jr. had been assassinated. And I remember my mom running into the room screaming almost, no, no, they didn't. They didn't, they didn't kill him, did they? And I will never forget that. I was in second grade then. And that had such an impact on me, the importance of this figure, Martin Luther King Jr., this racial and social justice, this Baptist minister, the impact that he had not only on America, but my family, my mom, you know, and we want to like pretend he didn't exist. That's not right. That's not right. We, we need role models for our students, for our babies to be able to look up to. We need role models that will let our students know that they too can make a difference. We lost him once. We lost King once. We don't want to lose him again. Now, do you think that we're going through a phase here with these attacks on public education, the book bans, uh, trying to rewrite history? Is that because some people are in power that should not be in power? Uh, what are you hearing? You do a lot of traveling. I mean, you're vice president of a very large union. You talk to your members day in and day out. How do they feel about the current situation today? Well, I believe that certain people getting into power gave license to some of what is happening now. And until the people who know what is right, stand up, then I, you know, it, it, it will continue to be a problem. I can tell you, I, even though I work in Washington, D.C., my home is Spotsylvania County, Virginia. And you may have heard about it on the news a couple of years ago. Their educators spent up to 40 hours a week reviewing titles after reviewing book titles after a mother of two students single-handedly challenged over 70 books in her school district. And in one Utah district, 199 of 205 challenges were tracked to one married couple. So, you know, Whether these things will go away or not is not for me to say. Of course, I hope they will go away. But what we need, we need people who know better to stand up and say enough is enough. You know, don't take away my opportunity to have the universe open to me. Don't take away that opportunity. Don't take away, don't take away that opportunity for our students. Books belong to all of us, to all of us. And so as we move forward, 
you know, folks, again, folks who know differently need to stand up. We all have a role in ensuring that our students have access to a rich and full public education. And no one should decide for, for other parents what their kids can read or threaten the very educators who inspire a lifelong love of reading. See, I, I refer to those people as the vocal minority. They, they find ways to get into the national media discussion, and it just reverberates. And then you throw in social media on that. I, I'd like to get now. Now, you're talking about the Dr. King here. So, uh, you know, you're I'm a little bit older than you. I could I could tell by just the historical <laughs> reference here of uh, what we're talking about on the show. But, you know, I, I know when you grew up, there was no social media. And I think that's a culprit today, especially among kids. Uh, what, yeah. What's your take? What's your What's your uh, opinion of social media today? Because I know there's a debate on on regulating it, but as a vice president of a of a big union like the National Education Association, what do you think? Well, I personally love social media because I'm all over it. Right? I have mm-hmm. Facebook, I have Twitter, Instagram, you X, you name it. I, 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 I do think, though, that we have to be careful that we don't use uh, social media as a way to harm people, um, especially our students. Um, I know that bullying happens, and social media bullying is one of the worst. Uh, bullying is bad, period. But social media bullying bullying is challenging and it um and it 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 happens so we have to be really really careful of that um and with social media information gets out faster and so that is something that is different than what i experienced when i was was that student in the second grade so that's on that's on social media i do have time for about one more question, and then I'm going to have to to run. They have our our national board is here this week, so they've got me running. Okay, Princess, I know you have to go here. One question before you leave. I mean, you rose up the ranks of the National Education Association. You started out as you indicated as a music teacher, and look where you are today. Do you think you would be able to accomplish what you did? without a union. I mean, the union obviously paved the way for you. I like to get your response to that. The union helped me become the leader. I'm getting teary here Um, that I am today. It helped me to meet educators from all over this country, from all different backgrounds, from all different ethnicities, religions, from everywhere, and that has enriched my life so much. Um, The union has provided me the support and the courage and the tools to be able to speak out for my colleagues from around the country, from around the world, really, and for the students they serve. And for that, I will be forever grateful. 
I'll leave it on that note. Princess Moss, thank you so much. Princess Moss, Vice President, National Education Association. Website, NEA.org. You take care. Stay safe and stay in touch, okay? Thank you so much. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Jen Roberts, Vice President of Employer Health Strategy at Hello Heart will be joining us. Don't go away. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Layuna. Find out what it takes for Layuna to keep America running at Layuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge, to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting iwdistrictcouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers. For more information, please visit BACWeb.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you by Blue Cross and Blue Shield's National Labor Office. Blue Cross and Blue Shield companies formed out of a need to provide affordable health care to teachers, to loggers, and miners. Well, in 1965, the Blues developed the National Labor Office to strengthen its commitment to organized labor. And today, Blue Cross and Blue Shield's National Labor Office remains focused on America's workers, advocating for affordable and equitable health care partnering with strategic alliances to provide industry-leading products and services and proudly serving more than 18 million unionized workers, retirees, as well as their families. Working hard for America's working families, for the health of America. You can learn more by following them at Blue Labor on LinkedIn and X, formerly known as Twitter. All right, let's go to uh, Houston, Texas. And joining us today is Jen Roberts. Jen is a vice president of employer health strategy for helloheart.com. I love that. helloheart.com. By the way, Jen Roberts leads 
Hello Hearts employer health strategy team and is a clinical subject matter expert at the company. Well, Jen, welcome to uh, America's Workforce. Thanks for uh, joining us today. So why don't we just cut to the chase here? Because I'll tell you, heart disease is the number one killer in America. And it's been in that position for far too long. So obviously there's a lot of people listening here that, that, that want to lead healthier lives. I, mean, I know some of them are. Many of them are not. So talk to me about Hello Heart. What's Hello Heart all about? Well, thanks for having me, Flash. This is a, a great podcast. I come from a family of unionized people in the Michigan area, IBW, Local 58, firefighters, police as well. So I love working with groups like this, and thank you so much for having me. And Hello Heart is a great program um, for those members specifically because the risk of heart health is so high. Um, and especially when you have jobs where your physical health demands on you getting the job done, it is even more so. At Hello Heart, our mission is pretty simple. We just want to empower people to manage and improve heart health through using technology. It's really simple. It's got a heart health monitor that syncs to an app so you can track your blood pressure, cholesterol, medication, physical activity, and weight. It'll also check for irregularities in your blood pressure, your pulse, or your heartbeat. And then it takes all of that information in and creates a customized all-digital coaching program for you. And so your FLASH program is going to be different than my program, and it keeps getting smarter and smarter over time. And the ability to share that data and those reports directly with your physician helps the doctors get the information they need to to act earlier, to change medications so you can prevent those high-cost catastrophic claims, those heart attacks, those strokes, those kind of on-the-job injuries for wonky blood pressure while you're way up on a pole doing something or out in the field um, kind of chasing down the bad guys there and, and really looking at how you can improve health equity. We know that women are a much greater risk for heart attack and stroke, in particular dying from a heart attack than men. But at the same time, the older you get, the higher risk you are. We know there's certain jobs, firefighters, police, et cetera, where they have an even higher risk. So this really, I think, would resonate with your group, kind of really focusing on heart health. So how does this actually work? It, it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that this is like a monitor device that you can check remotely, or do you have to go to some location to get it? That part I don't understand. Help me out on that, Jen. That's the beauty of it. It's all on your own. So you're going to get what looks like a blood pressure monitor, but think of it as like a super heart monitor. So it gives your blood pressure, your pulse, those irregularities as well. You don't mm -hmm. have to have internet service to get that data over to your app. And then once that data is in the app, you're going to start getting health education on improving your heart health, ability to share those reports with your providers, and that AI-driven digital coaching that really just makes it easy. Because, like, who wants to take a phone call from someone at 5 o'clock after you got off of work to say, tell me how you did on exercise and nutrition today? I, I don't think you want to do that, do you? No, 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 no. How long, <laughs> is, how long has this been around, and uh, how many people are using it right now? We have over two... 2.2 million people in the U.S. who have access to it through their employers or their health plans um, currently, and it's been around a little bit over 10 years, started in the direct-to-consumer space and realized we could reach much more people by going through groups like we're talking about today, the unions, the people managing the plans, um, and just kind of getting it out there uh, in a way that you can't really do on a one-to-one -one basis. 
Well, you're talking to the right show. There's no doubt about that. This show is all about workers, specifically union workers. And I'm reading that uh, 15% of your clients are labor clients, labor union clients. Has that uh, just taken off? Obviously, you'd like to get that a, hot, a lot higher here. But uh, the progression of that, and where do you see that number going? I, I think the sky is the limit in the union space when you think of what did you say, 18 million members uh, potentially that can be covered by these groups. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the unions, I think, do, do benefits in a different way than a traditional employer does. There really is that across the board, we really care about our members. We want our members to be healthy. We want them to be safe at work, so they need to be healthy, so they have this kind of extra investment and extra risk. And that 15% is, is growing and growing, and I think the sky's the limit there. And we just signed a uh, firefighters and paramedic group this morning, so all headed in the right direction. There you go. Hopefully you'll sign up more after this, uh, after this podcast goes out. <laughs> so, so let's talk about uh, cardiovascular disease. It's often called the silent killer. Why? Because people don't feel any symptoms. And I guess when you do feel symptoms, it's, is it pretty, pretty much too late at that time? What, what are you hearing? Yeah, it's not too late, but the other reason why it is called a silent killer is a lot of times your heart attack is your first and your last symptom and people don't make it. And I think in particular, there's kind of two different issues for men. No offense, gentlemen listening, Maybe they ignore symptoms. Maybe they don't go to the doctor. Maybe they're not sharing that information. Maybe they're too busy with work, right? Mm-hmm. And shift work and things like that and hard to get in for appointments. And with women, their symptoms are actually very different for a heart attack than men are. And it may just kind of present like anxiety, stomach discomfort, some nausea. So real different than the men's classic symptoms of, you know, you feel like someone's squeezing your heart, you're having numbness in your left arm, you feel short of breath or like you can't breathe. And that is what leads to some of these great health disparities. I mean, there really is no reason um, for people to be dying at the rate they are today in the U.S. Start by managing your blood pressure and your cholesterol and your heart will do amazing things for you. And that's what we're trying to do is get in front of these problems at Hell Heart with helping members track and understand their numbers, what do they mean, and then what kind of actions can they take with their providers to improve their health. And then on their own, what can they do? Move more, eat better, stress less, reduce risky behaviors like alcohol and smoking. Those are all the things they're going to be getting coaching on. And you're looking at some of the numbers on this. I was reading in your talking points, 56% of adults have high blood pressure and or high cholesterol, which is, I mean, you're talking about risk factors for cardiovascular disease. And again, more American adults die of heart disease than any other disease. You, you mentioned about guys, and <laughs> I could speak to that. We don't want to go to the doctor. I feel good. Nothing's going to happen to me. I can live forever. Well, I mean, usually when you're younger, you like that. You take more risks. But you mentioned as you get older, um, for our audience listening right now, target demo here. I mean, obviously, you, you mentioned the differences between men and women, but what age area do we need to concentrate on in order to get these monitors from uh, from Hello Heart? So really, we kind of focus on 18 and up. Um, and what I would say is that although our average age is around 50 and we have slightly more men than women participating in the program, we have people as young as 18 and as old as 102. 
So it really kind of hits the gamut. I think people start having issues with blood pressure and cholesterol around their 30s, and then it starts exacerbating to it gets to a point where now this is kind of a critical, your doctor may recommend medication, maybe lifestyle change to get it under control, but really there's just this lack of awareness. I'll tell you an interesting story. So my dad, he was an electrician um, and, you know, just a hard worker, working outside most of the day, working in kind of pretty dangerous stuff, doing um, commercial uh, construction and things like that. And and he is very vigilant about his health. He walks every day on his treadmill. He eats really healthy. He watches portion size. He's normal weight, but he has high blood pressure still. So I started Hello Heart about three years ago, and I was like, Dad, you've got this really cool monitor. I want you to check it out. Like, if you can use it, I know that this is going to be a good product and a good place for me to work. He's very stubborn. He has, like, two apps on his phone. He's not super tech savvy. And he was able to get it set up. He did call into the helpline for help, but I wouldn't help him. And he was able to get it set up with our support desk. And then he says, this is saying 140 over 90. My blood pressure is always 140 over 90. It's telling me to send this report to my doctor, make an appointment. So for my dad, he thought, I'm taking my medicine every day. I'm eating right. I'm exercising. And my blood pressure is staying the same. When, in fact, he is at very high risk for a heart attack or stroke if he walks around every day at 140 over 90. And I think that people just don't know that. They think, oh, if it's a spike or if it gets super high. But you're just constantly putting that pressure on your body, on your circulation system when your blood pressure is that high or your cholesterol, like your arteries are getting just clogged up and getting more clogged and more clogged. And there really are things that you can do about it. And even if you do have an incident, there's still plenty of time to kind of recover and, and take the right road to make some change. You mentioned blood pressure, 140 over 90. Where, where, where should those numbers be, Jen? It should be 120 over 80 or below. Now, each person is different. If you have some other kind of cardiac symptoms, complications, and your doctor, so let's say you're more risky, and they're like, if you're at 140 over 90, I'm happy. But the normal average American should be about 120 over 80. And in fact, the American Heart Association made these changes to the guidelines maybe three, four years ago. And that message has not gotten out there yet. So people are kind of thinking, hey, if I'm 140 over 90, I'm good. And no, you're actually not good. You're at risk. You've significantly increased your risk for heart attack or stroke, other types of complications. So we need to drive that number down to at least around 120 over 80. We're speaking with Jen Roberts. Jen is the vice president of employer health strategy for Hello Heart. Do go to this website, helloheart.com. You get a lot of information there, helloheart.com. You're talking about your relationship with unions, and right now uh, 15% of your clients are in labor unions. I'm sure that'll jump after the show is posted, <laughs> podcasted. We're hoping so because we want to continue having a relationship. I mean, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. I mean, you think about that. you got to have good health. Now, you, uh, you've been tracking this, and I'm reading here about the Electrical Welfare Trust Fund. And uh, it's important to know that this is working. Can you uh, give us some details on, on how it's working? This is a great group. I think that, you know, we have a really strong labor team um, and union team in our shop. And they're exactly who you think. And they use the product themselves. So I think they speak about it on a personal level. So they're able to get that out there. And, and I got to say, like most groups in this space, meet it with a little skepticism. They say, my people are too old, 
They don't use technology like that. Um, they're not going to use an app. And I think we're really selling people short. Actually, everyone uses apps all the time now. And, you know, my great-grandmother is on Facebook. I mean, what are you going to do, right? It's like we're kind of past that technology, you know, barrier that maybe we had probably five years ago or, or even ten years ago. So I would just say to, to groups in that, in that space that, you know, you can do it. We're going to have a case study coming out, which we're happy to share with everybody, um, of EWTF and the amazing outcomes. And part of the reason why they have such amazing outcomes in labor groups in general is, on average, they're about two years older than the average workforce, and percentage-wise, a little bit more male than the average workforce. That puts them at higher risk. So the positive spin to that is that there's a lot of room to change. So little things can make a big difference. It can make a big difference quickly. You literally can lower your blood pressure several points within a month just by walking a few more minutes a day. And that's the mm -hmm. kind of education and coaching that people are getting. It, it seems overwhelming to say, we need to walk 30 minutes a day for five or six days a week, or we need to have this level of intensity, and here's the millions of things you can eat, and maybe you should eat this, but don't eat that. Actually, just move a little more and eat a little better, and you'll see those changes pretty quickly, and that's going to encourage you to keep doing it. And I think keeping it really simple, getting rid of all the medical jargon that's in there, talking in everyday language, that is the kind of thing that really resonates with your viewership, actually. Um, keep it simple. Make it easy. People are going to use it, and they're going to keep using it on their own. You don't need to give them an incentive. You don't need to prod them the carrot or a stick to get them moving in the right direction. Super personalized, very private. It's all your information. No one else has it. And that, I think, people feel comfortable with that. Um, but this is something they're doing on their own. It can supplement other programs they have in their benefits plan. And it can be a great tool for their individual providers to say, hey, I only got that one blood pressure that time you came in six months or a year ago. He's creating a whole or she treatment plan for an individual on basically one data point. So now you're going to come in and you're going to give the providers like a ton of data points all pushed together with a cohesive report that's going to say the doctor or providers will be like, oh, I know what we need to do now. Now I've got this more data. I can make better choices and work in concert with the patient. And so you're really kind of working together as a team that way. What a great conversation. Jen Roberts, thank you so much for joining us. We all want to live longer, and this is a tool to help you do just that. Jen Roberts, who is Vice President of Employer Health Strategy for Hello Heart. Do check them out online, helloheart.com. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to check in with the heat and frost insulators and our independent labor voice, Tom Buffenbarger, will be joining us. Until then, all of you, have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.